Will Nintendo flip another Switch in 2019? We talk about the rumors and more on this episode of Cheerful Ghost Radio. Cheerful Ghost Radio is a podcast from the Cheerful Ghost community about interesting stuff in gaming and other various bits of nerdery. Welcome to Cheerful Ghost Radio. My name is Tim, and for this episode, I'm joined by... Travis. And John. In this episode, we're going to talk about some cool stuff in the gaming world. But first, let's talk about what we've been playing and watching. John, why don't you kick off our conversation? Thanks, Tim. I'd love to. So let's start with what I've been watching. So Games Done Quick Express is a new GDQ event that is happening or happened already at uh, TwitchCon this weekend. And it just ended like 44 minutes ago with a really fun uh, Mario 64 uh, speed run by Cheese. And that was really, really great to watch. And Usually uh, GDQ, uh, there's the Summer Games Done Quick and Autumn Games Done Quick. Autumn Games Done Quick is going to be in January, and that's a week. Uh, GDQ Express was a weekend, and it was really fun. The coolest stuff I watched in it was a really fun speed run today. That was a... And guys, hold on for this. This is going to be great. And I'm going to post it on Triple Ghost to watch later. But uh, it was a Link to the Past plus Super Metroid randomizer race so you guys have heard of the randomizer race for link to the past right yep cool so someone took link to the past super metroid duct taped them together and did a randomizer for both games and so there are items from link to the past in super metroid and items from super metroid in link to the past (laughs) and certain doors that you go through that save the game actually take you to link to the past and certain areas in link to the past take you to areas in super metroid if you reset the game it takes you back to the beginning of super metroid and then you can use doors to get back to the game so andy who's one of the top uh link to the past uh randomizer runner probably is the best he won gd he won games on quick uh sgdq um randomizer race and uh, Oats and Goats, who's one of the top uh, Super Metroid runners, did a run where they were doing it together. So when they switched over to Link to the Past, it was Andy. And when they switched over to Super Metroid, it was Oats and Goats. And it was amazing. I am not going to spoil it, um, but you need to watch it. And I, as soon as it's up on YouTube, I'm going to post it on Cheerful Ghost along with my best ofs. And you need to watch that speed run it's incredible and it's so cool how people are taking these retro games and modifying them to work really well as amazing speed runs to watch so um you guys can imagine how cool it is and it's great and oats and andy are at the top of their game for both games and they talk about in the speed run okay so i'm gonna go check these chests and i'm gonna check this in super metroid and they work out their route together and it's really really cool these guys know the game they know all the skips um i could gush on this uh so long but it's and it was an amazing speed run to watch so uh gdq express twitchcon uh very cool um so another thing that i watched recently was venom i was on a work trip 
uh, in New York and uh, decided that I wanted to go see a movie with some coworkers because I don't get to do that too often. And I would say that Venom is I would give it a okay rating. Um, I, I would say that it it needed to double down on what I think it did well, which is it's a crazy like at its best. Tom Hardy and Venom are just like the odd couple and it's weird. And I think it should have done a lot more of that. I think it was way better sort of like halfway through, but it was okay. It was okay. Um, I was actively surprised that I didn't hate it more than I didn't. So, um, it was all right. Uh, I saw a movie on a plane recently that I do not recommend seeing it this way, but it was annihilation, um, by the director that I can't imagine watching that on a plane. Um, so the audio wasn't very good and the visuals weren't very good, but the movie's incredible and I'm totally buying it and going to watch it in 4k. So holy smokes, is this movie amazing? It was amazing even in like shitty presentation. It's so good. It just, oh wow. Um, I don't know. Maybe Travis and I'll do a special review about Annihilation. It's, it's must watch sci-fi hands down. Um, no question. I also saw Deadpool two on a flight. I thought it was okay. I I remember I was with you guys on your review and I figured out (laughs) the plot. Yeah. Apparently I was right on that one. Um, I had the ordering totally wrong in my head though. I thought the whole plane sequence was earlier in the movie. It's actually pretty late in the movie. Um, and I thought it was okay. I thought it was fine. It's a fine movie. I also saw a rampage on the plane on the way back with, uh, with the rock guys it's not as bad as it like it's that's it's not that bad it's actually like watch this movie with friends and you're drunk and it's going to be the greatest thing ever it, it doesn't take itself seriously it's actively good bad it's it's great it there's nothing it's not a serious movie it's it's a lot of fun um orange is the new black season five i started that up i know that's not the latest one it's sort of it used to be a show that i was very actively involved in and then sort of when the season when they were had the riot, I sort of just stopped for whatever reason, you know, nothing spectacular. And I just came back and watched about half of that. And wow, it's just great. It's a great Netflix show. Um, It's really fun to get back in with those characters again and can't wait to watch season six. So another movie on the plane that I watched was Ready Player One. I turned it off after 30 minutes. It was boring. Um, I I rate it, skip it. It's just boring. Sorry, Spielberg. It's just boring. Um. Yeah, I was just like, wow, it came to the point of the race and I'm like, I don't care. So I just huh. turned it off. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was pretty good, but I mean, it wasn't great. I didn't want to buy it, but I saw it and enjoyed it. It's very forgettable, though, I thought. Yeah, me too. So I forget if I forgot it. Um, I, I had you read the off. book prior? No, no, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, what but about I had a friend you, that did and he said it was not good. No, I hadn't read it. My wife, Katie, has read it and said that it's it's the movie skips over a lot of the best stuff because it kind of needs to to make the time. But she enjoyed it more than I did, I think, because of the context of the book. Interesting. I've read the book, but I haven't seen the movie. Uh, My impression of the book was that it was kind of fun escapism, but it's it's just kind of like, you know, bubblegum reading there's no real substance to it you know yeah it's kind of fun but like it's not great so i you know i I do want to go see the movie at some point um just haven't gotten around to it but uh my my expectations are kind of low for the movie so oh it'll be interesting to see uh what it's actually like because i've been hearing a lot of mixed reviews from different people you know but it seems like people who 
you know, read the book tend to kind of like the movie a little bit more. Oddly enough, usually it's kind of the other way around. And I was just wondering if, like, you know, their enjoyment of the book was kind of like coloring what they wanted from the movie. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, yeah, you have lowered expectations. Just lower them a little bit more. You'll probably be fine. I mean, I'm not trying to like knock it. I, I didn't hate it. I just was, it was just boring to me for me. You know, you, you think I'd love it cause it's video game related. I, but that didn't make me like it. So, uh, a new Netflix show and I mean, new, new, uh, the curious creations of Christine McConnell. Uh, it looked like a really interestingly macabre puppet show. I had no idea mm-hmm. that it was actually an adult cooking show with puppets. <laughs> <laughs> so we watched an episode of it. It's, an evil sort of adult cooking show with puppets. And it, it's by Brian Henson, of course, the son of Jim Henson. And it totally shows. It's a lot of fun. If you like cooking shows and you want some like fun, kind of dark themed stuff, it's really cool. She's a great chef. She's a great cook. And the stuff that she does is wildly inventive. Like in the first episode, she makes um what looks like a bone that like out of chocolate peanut butter cookie thing and 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 white chocolate but it looks like a human femur bone and she shows you how to make it look really like an actual bone and where it uses uh, a pretzel stick so when you break it it cracks like a bone it's crazy man it's uh it's pretty cool and she shaves it's it's wild she's yeah, it's great so check it out if you like that kind of thing yeah i heard that referred um, to as um martha stewart meets tim burton meets the muppets yeah that's exactly (laughs) right it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun so i'm gonna skip a couple movies but i also saw because we watched hold the dark recently i watched murder party which is um uh the director of uh hold the dark green room jeremy saulnier murder party is the first movie he did uh it's kind of his first indie movie and it's on netflix and i saw it last night I would say it's pretty good. Um, my only critique of it, it's as a little gratuitous. Um, there's a lot of blood. If you, <laughs> there's a lot, but it's fun. And for a for a bottle film, it's really cool. I thought it was really creative, and the characters were really good. Um, there's one sort of twist in the movie, and I'll just say that the um, character who played the character that had the twist was such a good actor. I knew what was coming already um, because he totally acted like that was going to happen. But uh, it's fun. It, it's a really fun Halloween movie and lots of people die. So if that's your thing, uh, you totally should watch it. Murder Party by Jeremy Saulnier. And uh, so what I've been playing is Super Mario 3D World on the Wii U. Recently, I got a Wii U because I've wanted to collect one for a while now. So I finally got it. And wow, Super Mario 3D World is incredible. It's so beautiful. Uh, I, I can't imagine it's not going to get a switch port. It's, it's so good. Or they're just going to do a follow-up like super Mario 3d world switch or something. Um, I also played a little bit of Mario Kart seven on my 3ds on my flight to New York with a coworker. We were flying there. That's why I turned off, um, ready player one. Cause Mario Kart's more fun. So, um, I've also been playing the game of trying to get my Wii saves onto my Wii U, which you can totally transfer. <laughs> Um, and it fails every time <laughs> while it tries to do an online check. Um, like it just doesn't work. Um, I can't beat this game guys. I can't get my Wii Fit saves on my Wii U. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably would have worked five years ago or something, but it doesn't work now. So sad. Um, and then I also have a, a review up on cheerful ghost for a game called egg Inc, which is a game that Travis told me about cause he hates me and doesn't want me to have a life anymore. <laughs> so I played this game for like, 
five days and I couldn't do anything else. It seriously is uh, one of those games that just kind of sucks your time. It's a uh, idle clicker game on iOS and Android. Play it if you don't like yourself and don't want to do anything else. So that's all for playing and watching. All right, Travis, what have you been playing and watching? I'll start with watching as well. Um, We recently decided to start back up with the leftovers. I think it's our fourth time through. Uh, Didn't get very far in it, unfortunately, because of the next thing up. But, uh, man, it just feels nice to get back into that world again. That show has such depth, and I know that it's not a show for everybody, but... It's one of my favorites of all time, and it's it's really great to start that up again. But uh, we kind of put that on the back burner a bit because Daredevil season two, no, season three is out. And we're about halfway into that. And this is shaping up to be the best Marvel season on Netflix so far. By the way, kind of bad news. They have or I guess if you bad news depending on what you think of these shows luke cage and iron fist are both canceled now which uh the way they left iron fist season two is kind of a bummer i want to see where that goes but uh yeah daredevil season three is really solid so far it's like john i think you mentioned that it wasn't really your cup of tea partially because of it was kind of gratuitously dark and season three is probably the darkest yet so Wow. Yeah. They just doubled down on how they dark and really wow. doubled okay. down on it. Yeah. He's kind All of right. gone. Uh, I mean, minor spoilers. He's gone to the point where he doesn't care about Matt Murdock anymore. And he's gotten rid of the suit. He's just wearing all black now. And it's, it's, it's really doubling down on the darkness, but, um, it doesn't hold the dark. Yeah. That's we haven't been watching a ton, but um, Spider-Man on the PS4 just recently came out with the new game plus mode and some DLC. And so I jumped back into that or swung back into that, I guess. But uh, yeah, that game is still so much fun. And every other game that I try to play, I just want to throw a web to get somewhere. And it doesn't work in any other games. (laughs) And that really annoys me. But yeah. Um, new game plus is kind of lacking a little bit because it doesn't add a ton of new stuff. You can very easily upgrade all your stuff the first time through. So there's less to do, but the new DLC following black cat is really good. Um, and red dead redemption Two, which we're going to talk a little bit about more in a few minutes came out on Friday and I've been playing a lot of that and it is beautiful. The, Gameplay might take a bit of a step back from the first one because they're focusing a bit on a bit too much on kind of the immersion factor of it and stuff is really spread out and you're kind of spending a lot of time traveling when you could be playing a game. Um, You can take stagecoaches and trains, but they cost money, which is really scarce in the early part of the game. So you're going to be riding a horse for a long time to get between places early on. And that's not exactly the most exciting thing. You can, you can look at all the nice visuals and it is very beautiful, but yeah, once you get into the swing of things though, the gameplay picks up, you've got a lot of stuff to do and it's really, really fun. Um, I'm not sure yet. I'm probably only about a fourth of the way through. I'm not sure whether it's going to be better than the first one or not, but I've, 
been so ready for this game ever since they announced it a couple years back. And yeah, like John said, Egg Incorporated on iOS. I have been playing so much of that. I'm pulling Screw my, you yeah, for telling me about that game. I'm looking at my phone right now and I'm on the Terraform Egg, which is one, two, three, four, five eggs from the last one that you unlock. And I'm... My farm value is 10.4 duodecillion, which is a number I didn't even know existed. You really learn what the large numbers are called in this game because you're making impossible amounts of money pretty quickly. But yeah, like John said, it's a ton of fun and it will drive you crazy because you want to keep playing it. But yeah, definitely check it out. And one more game that I've actually been playing pretty much constantly Ever since it came out a couple years back, but I haven't talked about it much lately, is Mario Run. I basically play that every couple days, at least just, you know, killing some time. And I finally unlocked the last item that you can get in that Remix 10 mode that they released. Some people have so much better luck at that. They can get in there and get all those items quickly. I had to get to... 200 and level 224 in remix 10 before I unlocked all those items. And that does, that is not a quick trip to get to that, but yeah, that's kind of a milestone and I might stop playing it now because I'm done with it. Yeah. That's pretty much it for me for playing and watching. That's awesome. That's a lot of game, man. Awesome. Congratulations. That's a lot. Thanks. So my watching and playing is going to be pretty short. Um, October is always a very, very busy month for my family because Halloween is kind of our jam. So we always host a Halloween party. I always plan an annual trip to Halloween Horror Nights. Uh, we made a trip to Disneyland to see all the, the Halloween stuff and uh, do some trick-or-treating there. Uh, my kid's school does you know, a Halloween party that we took my kids to. My wife's work does a Halloween party that we always go to. So we've been super busy this entire month. So I've barely had a chance to play, um, you know, anything outside of, uh, my, uh, divinity Two playthrough that I've been working on with, uh, with a friend. Um, and, uh, the only other game that I've been playing was the, uh, ghosts and goblins, which I'm a little bitter that that's where my free time has been going. <laughs> um, I'm not sure in which order our, our shows are going to come out with, so you may have already heard our review of that, but if not, we have a review of that coming up soon. Uh, the only thing I've watched of note recently is that last night, uh, my wife and I checked out the very first episode of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. It's the new uh Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, I guess, reboot that is on Netflix now by the makers of Riverdale. Um, I, I can't say that I've watched the original Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, too much. I've seen a couple episodes, but nothing too serious, so I, I can't really compare it to the original, other than that That's I'm That's the Melissa barely... Joan Hart version, right? Yes. So uh, the only thing is I can say is uh, tonally, they are very, very different. Um, I would just go into this with the expectation that it is an entirely different show. Like, just don't even try to compare the two at all. Uh, I've only watched one episode, so I'm not going to say whether or not it's, you know, gets my endorsement or not. But I will say that it at least left me ready to watch more episodes. So uh, I'll uh, probably have more to say on that, you know, at a later episode. But uh, so far, it's it's interesting, and um, I, I want to get into it and catch a couple more episodes before I uh, I make up my mind about it. 
So how's the lead in that? Uh, the one who plays Sabrina, I, I've seen her in a couple of things and she's been great in all of them. Uh, she's pretty good. Um, my wife actually pointed out, you know, when, and when she pointed it out, it's like, I couldn't not notice it, but she plays this character a lot. Like, uh, it has a very like Emma Watson feel to it. Hmm. Uh, almost like, not necessarily like uh, Hermione, like from the Harry Potter, but more like the actual actress Emma Watson. She kind of s- talks like her. It has that kind of like you know academic, you know, uh, feel to it. Like she's very intelligent, um, but she she does a good job. It's so far it's been interesting. And any Doctor Who fans out there will recognize one of the main characters was uh, Missy from the the Twelfth Doctor yes. seasons. <laughs> so that's a bonus for any uh, Doctor Who fans out there. Hey there, this is Travis from Truthful Ghost Radio, and thanks for listening to the show. If you like what we're doing here and want to help support us, I encourage you to head over to Truthful Ghost and click the little heart at the top of the page. You can help us fund the important work of this podcast and Truthful Ghost by supporting us on Patreon, which is a site for funding the things you love. If you fund us at a member level, you get awesome benefits. So head over to CheerfulGhost.com, find what funding level works for you, and support Cheerful Ghost on Patreon today. One more big score. We got enough money to leave. What do you think? Yeah, nothing means more to me than this game. All right, so as Travis mentioned earlier, Red Dead Redemption 2 has come out recently. And uh, it's a bit of a milestone here. It was released on two Blu-ray discs, and it also took up, uh, for any of those you know players out there who bought it digitally, 99 gigabytes on the PlayStation, and a few more if you bought it through the Xbox. Uh, Travis, why don't you tell us a little bit about you know what format you purchased it on, and uh, how long it took you to get into the actual game? Yeah, I bought it on disc, and I was kind of surprised to open up. I mean, I knew it was going to come on to Blu-rays, but I opened up the case and it's a new case that I've never seen before for the PlayStation because it's got, you know, obviously the, the flip style where the two Blu-rays go and it's got like a data disc and a play disc. So you put in the data disc first to install that and then switch about halfway through. And I bought it and I came home and vacuumed the whole house and then mopped and then came back to check on it. Then I took a shower and then I came back and it was about 40 seconds done. It was at least um, 90 minutes, maybe a little bit longer. So that's a big install. I think that's the longest one that I've had so far on the PS4. Um, I know that like the PS3 was notorious for really slow installs, like the Metal Gear Solid 4, I think it was, took like five hours to install. But yeah... Yeah, it was it was a hefty install and it does take up 99 gigs, whether you uh, install it from disk or whether or download it directly. So it seems like you're not really loading a lot from the disk, which is probably a good thing if you know these massive textures would take forever to load. But yeah, as I said in my uh, brief review of it, I can see where those 99 gigs are being used because this is probably literally the most beautiful game I've ever played. Like it just looks realistic, like almost photorealistic in some places. It's, it's, it definitely shows its size. Damn. So it takes the 99 gigs, even if you own the physical copy. Yeah. 
that's uh that's hardcore yeah i um, think now what's going on is the disc is your license to play the game right yeah. it seems like all Pretty modern much, yeah. games install in the same way that the digital does and then that's just your license key essentially is the disc yeah that's uh that that's pretty rough especially when uh, a lot of uh game hard drives are still you know only like 500 gigabytes or less yeah i mean that's basically one-fifth of your entire hard drive <laughs> um so leading up to this review i tried to do a little uh, a little google researching here and i could not find another game released not even just on consoles but um on pc that came on multiple blu-ray discs so uh i think we've hit a hit a milestone here guys so john uh i mean i i both of us can remember when uh we would have to load up several floppy disks to play a game you know in the dos days um and then going into like the the you know pcs we had multiple cds is this just going to be something moving forward do you think we're going to have to just you know, carry around multiple Blu-rays if we want a physical copy of a game. So I think most people, it seems, or maybe it's half and half, I'm not exactly sure, but are downloading the games now. And from what I read, it wasn't much better. Actually, Travis, you said 90 minutes to install. That sounds like one of the faster install times from what I've read. Some people that were downloading it took them 10 hours and they have a fast connection. So I don't because, you know, the PlayStation Network was slammed that day, frankly. So I think that it makes sense moving forward if you want to do discs to keep doing the discs and if you want to download to keep downloading. And I do think that there's going to be an upper limit to this kind of stuff. I mean, you can imagine like you buy all your games digitally. You have a one terabyte hard drive. You have a physical amount of games you can have installed like straight up. You're just going to have to start swapping games and swapping games could take days you know what I mean? You swap one off and then you, you know, play another one. So, yeah, I, I don't think I, I think that we're going to get games that come with three Blu-rays uh, and that kind of thing. And it sort of makes some sense for if you just want to play a game for a couple weeks and then be done to actually have the disc and then resell it back. Um, it's faster to install it that way. And yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I think physical media in an era where games are going to get bigger and bigger is actually really important. And I think it's really important also um, for sort of just making sure that we still have uh, access to games that we love. Right. Because the Wii U, like the Wii is going to go offline really soon. Right. I can't transfer my Wii stuff to my Wii U because of online authentication and such, which is really unfortunate because you can't I can't get back in if I get a new Wii and, you know, download Zelda, um, you know, which I bought digitally on the Wii. You know, so I think that physical games still matter to me. Um, I like collecting them. And I think it and I think in a world where games are getting way way bigger it even makes more sense so yep yeah it's funny that you should mention about like you know older systems and not being able to transfer over you know digital games i was actually just having a conversation with a friend yesterday uh we were talking about you know how we you know we buy games digitally on steam and good old games like quite a bit but we don't do that on console a lot like there's very few games we bought digitally on console i think a lot of it is that you know, there's just no real great way to transfer your games to later systems. Like with a PC, you know, if I upgrade my PC, all my Steam library follows me. You know, all the games that I have with good old games uh, follows me as well. 
and I can choose which ones I want to install, what I want to play them, and stuff like that. I don't have a problem, you know, of being unable to access these older games. Um, with like my Wii and my Super Nintendo and, you know, my older consoles, I've owned the physical media that has all those games on them. So, you know, I can continue playing those games on anything that will play those old medias, you know, like old PlayStation games. I can run an emulator on my PC and run them there because I own the physical disc. If I had bought those digitally, you know, or for through, uh, like the PlayStation store or something, and then I buy a new PlayStation, there's no guarantee that game's going to be playable on the new system. And unless I keep around all these old systems, you know, I'm kind of out of luck there. Um, even the really old stuff like Super Nintendo, you can buy like the RetroCon or the Retro, what is it called? Um, Retron. There you go. Yeah, Retron 5 or something like that and still play those like cartridge games on these, you know, newer systems. So it's it's kind of an interesting thing. Um, if there was one thing I wanted to see from like whatever the next generation of consoles come through, it would be that these games that you're buying through their services, their online, you know, stores and stuff like that, some way to keep access to those moving forward. Yeah. Cause there are games that I bought on the Wii virtual console that I've functionally don't own anymore at all. Because, like, if if my Wii's, I mean, I do for, at, at the moment, but if my Wii's hard drive died and I had to replace that, and I don't really have a ac- way to access that store anymore, I can't play them, and I can't just go on my Switch and play the, like, uh, BitTrip Runner, for instance. I can't just go and transfer that over easily. Like you mentioned on PCs, you buy a game 20 years ago in Steam, it's still there. You can still play it. Consoles really need a way to do something similar. So speaking of next consoles, uh, there are some rumors going around that there's a new version of the switch coming out. Uh, there was an article in the wall street journal, which was locked behind a paywall and I couldn't read. So instead I wrote a, or uh, read an article in The Verge about the Wall Street Journal article talking about a new Nintendo Switch. Uh, So the rumor is... (laughs) Right? Thank you, paywalls. Um, I respect the Wall Street Journal's wanting to make money. I totally get it. Like, I'm not knocking them. I just think that, you know, it's it's odd. But I I get where they're coming from, and I respect it. Uh, So there's very little details on what this new Switch may entail. Um, So far, the only likely thing seems to be an updated LCD screen. Uh, But I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. What do you think about a new Nintendo Switch? Is is there anything you think you would like to see in a new one? Any new features? Any new updates? Having played the Switch... Really, if, if if you told me straight up, there's a new Switch coming, what do you want? And I didn't know that it was already rumored that a new screen was coming. I would still say I want a better screen. Like that was my only real complaint with it is that that screen is not the best. But I mean, I play it most of the time docked um, and I get full 1080p on it. So it's fine. But yeah, they could use a little bit of love on that screen. And the Joy-Cons sometimes feel a little bit flimsy in the analog sticks, especially some 
work on those would be nice, but I, I'm not really looking for a new, like more horsepower. And it doesn't seem like Nintendo's the kind of company to do that. Like with the, like the PS4 pro and the Xbox one X, that kind of update. Um, I'm kind of have mixed feelings about those, but you know, maybe they could do something like that and push a little bit more horsepower, but it seems like it kind of locks out people who own the originals and makes it a little gives you a little bit less incentive to buy it when it comes out. Yeah, I mean the the Switch hasn't even really been out that long. Um yeah. compared to the the current, you know, generation of consoles. I uh I would actually be kind of upset cuz I I haven't had mine for that long that if they came out with like a new version and then new games coming out required that doer version of the switch, you know, <laughs> or if uh, the new one was significantly more powerful or something. Um, but if they do come out with one, a uh, new screen would, you know, be pretty good. Uh, maybe a little bit more in the hard drive department. So you didn't have to necessarily rely on SD cards. Yeah. Although it is nice that you at least can stick in an SD card and use that for additional space. Yeah. Uh, John, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's going to happen. It makes a lot of sense for Nintendo to do this uh, simply to rev the hardware just to make it cheaper um, would be a good idea. But what I think is probably coming, like everyone seems to think, is a better screen. Uh, and, I, and I think they could do a couple things. They don't have to do like the, you know, the Switch Plus, which is a I mean, the new Switch might actually be more powerful, but I don't think it's going to be something that a game developer could take advantage of for exactly the same reasons you say, Tim. It'd be really annoying at this point in the system life cycle. It's not very far in. A lot of people would feel ripped off. It just doesn't seem like Nintendo to do that. But what I think it's going to do on a couple, this is what I want it to do on the hardware level. First, it's going to be a nicer quality screen. Secondly, they could have the the, the built-in screen actually do 1080p too. So that would require the system to be a little bit more powerful, but they could do it and it wouldn't drastically you know as long as they didn't allow developers to access those extra you know you know resources and stuff to make these wildly different games then i think that would be fine also i think one thing that they probably will do is increase the battery life um it's pretty good but they could make it even better and i think it would be really a lot more compelling for people um yeah so this christmas i'm actually going to get a switch so if a new one comes out next year, then I'm really going to see what it is. I've already had some friends say, well, they probably get the new one and just keep the old one to have their kids play. Um, I'd probably sell the original one and buy the new one, just depending if it's a nicer screen and better battery life. I'd probably just do that. Uh, I have a really good track record of selling stuff on Craigslist and making a lot of my original money back on it. So it's not a huge deal. Um, yeah, so. I think it's almost assuredly going to be coming, um, even if it's just the new Switch is just a model revision that makes it cheaper for Nintendo to produce. So if there is an updated Switch, do you guys think you would make the jump to uh, the newer version? John, it kind of sounded like you were leaning yeah, in that I direction and would. then sell the old one. Yeah, I probably would. Um, if it was better battery and the screen was way nicer, I'd probably do that because for me, that would be the majority of how I'd play. It would be in handheld mode. So, yep. All right, Travis, do you think you would make a make a jump to the newer one? Well, I'm kind of in a directly the opposite situation that John is in, which I barely ever play it in handheld mode because, you know, I don't really have a bus ride or anything in the morning. So, um, it, unless it does something really spectacular, I would probably just stick with the original since 
the screen wouldn't really affect me that much. Yeah, I'm kind of notoriously cheap. So unless there's new features that are going to be required to play, you know, newer games moving forward, I would probably just stick with the the version that I have for now. Um, Although I will say that the Switch is the very first console I've ever owned where I could see the appeal of wanting to own more than one, like one for myself, one maybe like for the kids or something. So if maybe there was like a good deal or something, you know, like a Black Friday deal or, or you know, on a new unit came with a game that I wanted. And, uh, you know, if something came up like that, maybe I would buy the new one and then just gift my current one to like the kids or something. All right. So uh, assuming, you know, maybe down the road, they do release uh, the next uh, Switch 2 you know, not just like a updated screen, but like an actual new generation console. Um, what do you, uh, what would you, or what would you guys like to see from it? Uh, John? I hope that Nintendo releases a Switch 2, a Switch 3, Switch 4, and makes them all backwards compatible. So you could play the original Switch games on the Switch 4, etc. Um, the reason why I think so is because the Switch is wildly popular um and simply what nintendo will need to do as long as we're playing games with our hands um and controllers is continue to increase the power of it mobile technology is going to get better we're going to keep you know nvidia is going to make better chips battery power is going to get better just keep making it more powerful eventually you're going to get a switch that's as powerful as the current xbox one x you know, probably not going to be for the next five years, but it'll happen. That could be the switch too. Um, and that would be incredible, you know, so just keep doing that. Just make the, you know, and I think that if that was the case, it was very, if it was, so if it was a lot more like the DS and the 3DS, and then originally the Game Boy Advance was compatible with the DS. And I think that that would be really good. And I hope Nintendo does it because I want to, I want to keep the switch legacy going for a long time and i think nintendo's hit something that's really special and i just hope they kind of keep doing that yeah i think that like nintendo's done pretty well on their handhelds with backwards compatibility it seems like it just goes back one generation each time but yeah like you i th- I would like for them to keep going with it so that you know you buy a switch five in 20 years and you can still play the original switch one games because yeah, I know the architecture has to change, but they could probably do it in such a way that wouldn't break backwards compatibility. And it gives you a massive library of games. Like you buy a brand new console that just came out today and you've got this huge history of games that you can go back to. I think it would be a selling point for them. Yeah, I just hope uh, Nintendo has a, a better naming convention than they have had for some of their previous consoles. <laughs> So that like the Switch the Two isn't just Switch, but with like two eyes in there, <laughs> and then they release the the Switch like XL, and then the new Switch XL, and then the new Switch XL DX or something, you know? Because um, yeah, that if you've looked at all the different iterations of the the DS, it is kind of a clusterfuck <laughs> of, of a naming a convention. Bit. A little bit, and like, and I follow the industry, and I still get confused on what is the current version of the DS. You know, <laughs> so hopefully, uh, hopefully, they come up with a better convention for the Switch.
Cheerful Ghost Radio is brought to you by CheerfulGhost.com and our theme music is by Creo. Make sure you head over to Cheerful Ghost to let us know what you think of the show and thanks for listening.